no, two apple pies for a dollar and they're coated in cinnamon sugar and they put them in the microwave before they get. So you get you get yourself a big Buford and a large fry with a couple apple pies and a Dr. Pepper. Bro, welcome to heaven. Welcome to heaven. And its name is diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to heaven sooner. Sooner. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the, the Faking Notes Podcast. The Faking Notes Podcast. This is the Faking We're here. Notes We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. Just us, raw, unfiltered. Okay, so today <laughs> our unfilteredness led us through a forty-minute plus diatribe of randomness, comedy, films, history, the huge, and then we the circled huge. back and to talk about purpose. Yeah, talk about purpose, discomfort. Um, I, I think this is like really important for us to like think about. And and as uh, President Cheeto is like <laughs> trying to kill us all, so it's important to like learn how to be hard, stay hard, stay hard, stay hard. And then we end with the ultimate stay hard dog mentality. Of my dog came down and was barking, and then I had to end the show to take care of him. <laughs> so. I found out Something's my purpose by the end of the show, and it's a daddy daycare. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Great Good movie. movie. Good Underrated. Movie. Holds up. You've seen it. It You've holds seen up. This one. I've seen it recently, too. It holds up. <gasps> okay. On what? Is it out there? I, I can't remember. It's recently within the past uh, several several months. So it's I, on, miss I think Eddie it's on a streaming. Dude, he's, I want to I run it back. He's the OG. It, it actually holds up. It actually holds up. Good. I love the part where he's in the bathroom and the kid's like, he's like looking around. There's like apparently poop ever. And he looks on the wall. He looks on the wall and then he looks at the ceiling. Oh! <laughs> Classic. So before we wind Classic. up turning this intro into, into a whole other one. episode. Yeah. Everyone, this is the Faking Notes Podcast. Enjoy. Dude, the other day I was recording and I, mm -hmm. I was recording for uh, my boy Cremaine Booker. Who's like that cello guy? Do you know him on Instagram? No. Wait, there's a that cello guy? Mm-hmm. He's dope. Wow, He's that's really a great dope. idea. That string and then what you are. That's look, who look, who thought of that? <laughs> look, I mean That I, bassoon it's boy. That it's all love. Anyway, he's <laughs> fucking dope and I that's love really his cool. Work. That's such a great collab, like that viola kid, that cello guy, that like that's, cello guy. that's match yeah, match dude. made in heaven. I love that. Hey, that's, and he's brother too. So a plus guy, branding. We got all this love. We got all this love in here for <laughs> for that cello guy. Anyway, so I was trying to record, and I was like, man, the playback wasn't going, but all the meters were going. But I didn't have, I I just didn't have anything in my cans. And then I was like, oh wait, oh wait, I need to plug my headphones in because they're connected to my switch. So I did that. I unplugged my headphones from my Switch and put them into my actual audio <laughs> interface. And then it still wasn't working. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I know I'm dumb. And I know I forget to do things, like proce easy procedural <laughs> things. But uh, why is there no sound? And so my next thing, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, nothing is working. <sighs> like, I I'm like emailing, like, yo, bro, like, do, do you know of any troubleshooting? And then I was like, wait, let me just, let me just try to unplug it, plug it back in. And it didn't work. And I was like, okay. And I looked online and they was like, you should probably, you should probably just unplug it and plug <laughs> it back in one more time. And I did it. 
and it took the third time. And on the third time of unplugging it and plugging it back in, it worked perfectly. And I was so angry because I was like, how was I supposed to know to do it three times? <laughs> My favorite tech. I have two. I have two tech. Tell me disaster stories, and oh, one was told to me, it. and then one was a lived experience. Mm -hmm. So, in my undergrad, the composition department, and like composition departments, uh, composition departments all over the United States, a lot of them aren't like Juilliard. A lot mm -hmm. of them are more experimental. A lot of focusing on electronics, electroacoustic pieces, so contact microphones on an interest instrument some processing and that's like a max msp a lot of a lot of what's driving new music and pushing possibilities and the interaction between an acoustic instrument and electronics and so my teacher and my under both my undergrad teachers were big proponents of this that was kind of the focus um mm. of the teaching there was a little bit more i want to say forward thinking because that implies like goodness but in that regard, like that's how boundaries were pushed. Whereas like a Juilliard and some of these other conservatories are traditionally more conservative, but that's, yeah. that's honestly very much changing. But so my undergrad teachers, so we're always, we're, we're bringing in all these artists, all these electronic artists. Okay. And what's your undergrad, by the way? UNC like, Greensboro for the, for, for UNC the, for the reference. Greensboro. Very good. Yeah. Very underrated school. It's, it's, mm -hmm. It's kind of it's the top school for the most part uh, in North Carolina. A lot, and that's just the state decided that. A lot of the budgeting goes, <laughs> like a lot of the, the budgeting state. goes. Yeah, like the state. <laughs> this is this is this is like why are you studying music? Socialism. That's why. State knows best. <laughs> <laughs> but so you go you go to these things, and I'll never forget. Like there was this new music festival, and the whole point of that is new and by. We're talking new. So it's super out there. And I've mentioned this before to where everyone complained about it and even the teachers complain about it. And the value was to learn from things you don't like. And like that was important. So they bring in all these mm -hmm. nasty things. That's been mentioned on the pod before. This mm -hmm. particular moment was the last concert of that festival. We as composers were required to go to most, if not all of these events. And the last one was in an art museum, you know, Sign number one, you're about to brace the weird. And the very last performance were these two bald turtleneck, the most stereotypical European looking people, leather pointy <laughs> shoes, bald black turtleneck, and sitting there like like our podcast listeners, but you know, like the salt salt bay guy? Salt like, bay. That's how they turned the knobs. So they're sitting there. Oh one guy's on a laptop. And he's sitting there salt baying the knobs. And one guy is on some zither or just some bowed instrument. And, you know, it's all mm -hmm. mic'd up. And it, and mm -hmm. for it's a 45-minute improvisation. No! But here's the problem. Besides, it's a 45-minute improvisation. Oh, my God. Is that it was, you know, you're, you're bowing a string and you're doing all these electronic processing. Mm-hmm. It was the most physically painful thing I've ever experienced because physically, because <laughs> if you looked around the audience, besides people like Stone Cold Face trying to like feel <laughs> impressed by the art, you know, they're sitting there and it's that look like, mm, like you're sitting there, like art. trying to act very impressed 
by this <laughs> this improvisation and you're staring at these these two bald two bald Steve Jobs and and trying to just take you know just like hey at least I'll learn from this maybe it'll be a transformative experience but if you look around all people were like covering their ears and like leaning forward and paling down and so you think oh maybe they don't know what's going on or they're not enjoying this they're bored no <laughs> they didn't filter anything properly so there was this loud screeching all of the loud screeching was amplified and getting blasted out and i just assume that all that frequency was lost on the older people so they're sitting there having a good time and these guys are dog whistling <laughs> all, all the, the young people, so I'm sitting there, just like you know, for 45 minutes, and we, oh. and I'm sitting beside the professors, and so I will never, I'll never forget that just the sheer anguish. I've I've been physically oh, you were harmed. part of that group. I was physically harmed physically by assaulted. this music, and so so they had a big talk. <laughs> we had that discussion, and they told us about like you need to be open minded and like learning from things you don't like, which I very much agree. Mm. And just experiencing things is valuable. But the problem is, I don't think they understood that part of the issue was that we were exposed to things that are illegal, considered illegal by the Geneva Convention. <laughs> and we were forced to do it in a museum. Oh, hey, that's so interesting, bro. Because the what about the mosquito tone, right? To keep teens from loitering? If it's against the Geneva Convention, is there a, like a... A statute for municipal use? There's something about decibel levels uh, because, well, there's there's got to be something about range. I don't know. But there's also mm -hmm. something about decibels because everyone's been posting, uh, like, police departments trying to, like, take care of rioters with that huge, like, sound sound wave things. And I was like... Sound cannons, yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. dude, if you just want to scare away people with sound, just, you know, play my music. <laughs> <laughs> bro check out my mixtape and then like the crowd clears just just like these, just find a random soundcloud rapper yeah, these beats are fire <laughs> just terrible oh but, but like there is something uh e illegal about that and we've just kind of like established that we can't do that but you know we're america we skirt the laws uh, skirt, 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 so that's skirt. why we have tear gas which is actual <laughs> chemical warfare which was you know Geneva Convention, classic uh, tenant instituted after World War One. So that's interesting. Geneva, it's okay for civilians. Geneva, I hardly knew her, but I mean, she she was fire in bed. <laughs> She's fire, straight up. Geneva, shout out. <laughs> hey, on that note, uh, welcome to welcome everybody to the Faking Notes podcast. Faking Notes podcast. Yeah, we're back at it. Ten minutes in. Ten. Ten minutes, minutes in. in. We're, we're introducing you once again to our weekly show where we talk about possibly two buttholes. I don't think we're going to do it today. Oh, oh a reprise of the two buttholes? The, um, of the uh, fistula. Do you want to bring that back? You wanna I wasn't prepared to bring back time. fistula, but um, <laughs> we're probably close to the one, <laughs> year, that. the one year anniversary of fistula. Of the, uh, and so it was a pivotal moment in the podcast where it's the first yeah. time we heard third party, third person connection referrals that people were listening to the podcast. So I go down to meet my future and awesome boss at the company I now work to talk about potentially working there. And we're in the elevator riding down and he informs me, it's just like, oh, by the way, like the last thing we end the conversation on is, 
Oh, by the way, so and so, one of our mutual friends, was listening to the pod, and he heard y'all like talking about fistulas and like two buttholes. <laughs> and so, a fistula, for context, is basically an opening, and where like in your body between two organs, just things can go where things shouldn't go fluids mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one per that can be typically it's in the intestines and you're having an issue like that but it mm-hmm. there are, is such thing as specifically anal fistula so i want to set the record straight that set not all straight, fistulas Trevor. are created equal some don't have the added benefits some you aren't lucky enough to have two bottles but this so it's particular like america person, <laughs> yeah <laughs> fistulas are like america two not worlds all created equal two buttholes <laughs> And each one has a very different experience. They're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all dealing with the same shit, but it has to process it in a very different way. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the greatest metaphor ever. <laughs> Trevor. Man, we need, to, we need to keep you. Are you caffeinated, bro? Is that what's going on? No, I'm, I'm exhausted. I've been on multiple Zoom calls already. So this is unusual. Normally, my exhausted self, you'd hear a lot of, you know, you know, and uh, and, and not finished sentences, but I'm prepared now. And I'm I'm an expert because I bought a Shure SM7B microphone. And then that's all oh, that's wait. all you really needed to become a pro podcaster. It, it boosted your confidence, right? You that, were like, you know what? We're going to spit these bars uninterrupted, okay? Casper mattress. It's like a <laughs> mattress. But dead. I don't know. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo, motherfucker. Boo. How are you, bro? Dude, I you miss you. Okay? We, it's been a I while since we've too. had our, our our rambly pods. Dude, and he's got I love Chipotle. these rambly pods. I miss. I got the Chipotle. I miss Chipotle. I miss our, mm. our bonding time. Guac is extra, bro. Dude. Guac and I miss extra. constant you know, need to go to the bathroom post Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've tried it. I had to take a break. I've consumed so much Chipotle in my life. And it was all in the later stages. I didn't have Chipotle until I was done with college. Oh, yeah, yeah. What we, was your college food? <clears throat> what was your college go-to? Ooh, okay. So we had those, like, you know, school bucks. So you can go into the cafeteria and then you had, mm-hmm. say, like $600 of money for the meal plan. And so there was pa- Papa John's and a Taco mm. Bell. Okay. My body. Okay. Your body, my body struggled. <laughs> I you suffered told me untold about pain. Pizza boxes. <laughs> the pizza boxes in the corner of your your apartment for the the Papa John's, bro. My shit was Checkers and Waffle House. Oh. Four a.m. Checkers runs because we you get you get those apple pies for a dollar. No, two apple pies for a dollar, and they're coated in cinnamon sugar, and they put them in the microwave before they get. So you get you get yourself a big Buford and a large fry with a couple of apple pies and a Dr. Pepper, bro. Welcome to heaven. Welcome to heaven and its name is diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to heaven sooner. <laughs> That's that, Soon- <laughs> that that should be that should be their motto. Like, oh. <laughs> like Jesus, wanna meet him? You know? <laughs> Especially in the South, man. Straight up. Straight up. Jesus can you, is king. Can you still nice? Can you still drink sweet tea? Or were you I ever never into it? Was a sweet tea? I was never a sweet tea, dude, because I just saw how they prepared it, and it seemed so absurd. That's what did it. That's what did it for me. 
was seen yeah. made. I drank it my mm -hmm. whole life because mm -hmm. for those who aren't in the South, sweet tea is liquid sugar. Sweet tea. Think of that healthy black tea, tea and then mm -hmm. cover it in sugar. Mm -hmm. But more specifically, just for context. So it's handed out like water is. Mm -hmm. A lot of places provide sweet tea for free. Soda's not free. Mm -hmm. Coffee's mm -hmm. not free. Water yeah. and sweet tea are. And mm -hmm. so I would never question these things as a, a young adolescent. Me neither. Because yeah. it's delicious and it's, it's free. Yeah, and it's free. Everyone, everyone has it. But here's the problem. So let's say almost done with high school. I finally... I'm at some function, who knows what it is, and I have to make sweet tea. And, <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's, you know, those typical like silver Limpton things you see, mm -hmm. you know, they dump it in and it's just a- The big you know, old jug with like the, with like the squeegee at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, The usual. And so yeah. we're, ma we're making this thing <clears throat> and, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of tea bags, just straight up typical Limpton tea bags. Giggity. And a lot of hot water. And so we pour it in, you just drop in uh, just a ton of bags and all of your hot water. And you're like, yeah, this is good. And so the secret to sweet tea is to dump in the sweet, the sugar, while it, it's still hot. So it really gets absorbed. Entropy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but here's the problem. So I remember, I remember getting out, you know, a giant bag, whatever multiple pound bags sugar comes in. I don't know. I live in California yeah, now. There's that. no sugar. We here. live in California. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't. What's added sugar, <laughs> bro? And I ask the normal question. Okay, how you know how many cups? How do how much should go in? How much do I put in? Yeah. And they look at me, and they're just like with this stone cold face. You put the bag in. You put the bag. Yeah. <laughs> you just. What do you? Why do you need a measuring cup? Like, just put it in. And. No one questioned it. Straight face. They're just sitting there staring at me. Oh my God. He put the bag in. I'm like, what? What? Don't drink the sweet tea. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth losing a foot. Okay. It's so bad. And I, I have to, I, I go back when I go to North Carolina, I allow myself one sweet tea and I still have to do half and half. Like I ask them. Mm. And it's like you're committing a crime right in front of them when you ask them to water down your sweet tea. <laughs> I've seen families be broken up for less, you know. <laughs> but diluting the sweet tea is is a cardinal sin. You know what? You know what got me through though, bro. And I don't think it's any better because they still use sweet tea. I I, I kind of did a variation. Arnold Palmer's. Mm -hmm. That was my shit. Ooh, dude. Mm, get the I mean that's sugary. And delicious. Mix it with the tea. So, but if you'd make your own, right, I would get the unsweetened, like, iced tea. There you go. So you can survive. Well, the lemonade can help, helps compensate. The lemonade, the, the lemonade has all the sugar you're ever going to need for the day, okay? And so <laughs> lemonade is one of those things that I'm never going to give up. We got this tree out front, Trevor. We haven't had you over for alcohol. Or, or any beverages, but I have this idea in my head, maybe like a month or so when these things are fully mature and we get some more limes, I'm gonna make some limeade. Make some fresh limeade from this tree, okay? And so when we start having guests, that's what we do, man. I'm gonna give them some microgreens, some radish <laughs> microgreens. Health them up. Health them up and fuck them up with some sugary, 
limeade. And they're Some, gonna a drip be, bag. I'm just going to set them down in the chair. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like Inception. They're going to get knocked out for hours. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I also, Mindy and I were talking about growing our own teacher plane. Bro. So that might Why be not? something we do. Bro, like you have your own little strain. It's California. You have your own strain. You have some friends over. You're like, hey, <clears throat> do you want to do you want to uh, go outside and like, you know, smoke some uh, ma weed? <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, me. oh, cool. Like, where'd you get it? And then you walk out and just the plants right there. This is this is my baby girl, Stacy. She's going to be <laughs> serving you today. Um, and I hope she takes you on a wonderful trip. Yeah, you have to brand your tree. You got to come up with your specific. I'll figure it out. I'm trying to learn how to grow microgreens hydroponically, and and marijuana is like multiple orders of magnitude more difficult to grow. Uh, I assume so. Yeah. But now you don't have to hide it, right? Like, what are the laws now? Or just no one cares. I'm looking into it, I think if you if you have like a there's like a certain number of plants you can have for recreational use that you grow, but you can't have like a grow house in your garage. Like that, I don't think that's legal. <laughs> Although, you know, people do that. Yeah. It can't be Seth. I don't Rogan-y. have a garage though. Keep Seth. Rog- oh boy. <clears throat> I shout out to Seth Rogan though. He, he, some of his work really resonates with me, man. And he's doing, he he's do doing Superbad? God's work now. He seems to be like What's a good, doing? like a very good, genuine person. As far as I can tell, mm. Mm-hmm. Like he's really he's of course he is but he's amazing at twitter because you know people will text him stuff and he'll just reply like oh fuck you you know <laughs> just like that's it. jonah hill too is another it's another dude especially in hip-hop culture that like really surprised me and those Sorry. and those two are related and you can i mean because of seth rogan that's a big part of why jonah hill is who he is Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And so he's he's one of those yeah, he's really stuck to me. Plus cuz there's all these completions of just people like asking Jonah Hill terrible questions. Um for instance, you know how anytime like Charlize Theron or some Reese Witherspoon or whoever, mm-hmm. some amazing female actress goes on and of course they always get asked questions that their male counterparts don't get asked. And so the one of the few male equivalents <laughs> is Jonah Hill. No matter when he gets interviewed, they're not asking him about what he's wearing, but what they're always doing is asking him, so what's it like like working with someone so attractive? Like, And it's always whoever he's working with. He's all, mm-hmm. and, and so there's all these completions. You know, it's playing the sound of silence, and it's just slowly zooming in on Jonah Hill's like face of disappointment that he continually has to get asked about his weight or the attractiveness of whoever else is starring in the movie. Mm-hmm. No, 21 Jump Street. So uh, what's it like work, working with a sex god Channing Tatum? Yeah. <laughs> it's like being a being a human piece of blubber and and like working beside Channing fucking Tatum, magic Mike. Well, let me tell you, I will tell you, like, their chemistry on camera is is so surprising to me. I love 21 and 22 Jump Street. Like, I didn't go into them thinking I'd love that, love them. But 21 Jump Street, in my opinion, is one of my favorite comedies. Like, I have not that seen came it. in the last couple decades. What? Trevor Bumgarner. <laughs> what? 
Oh, hey. Okay, I'm having a mini freak out. I'm having, I need to I'm calm down. I've not seen it. Calm down. Calm down, Drew. Calm down. Dude, ice cubes <laughs> in it. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. That defined my college years, bro. Damn. Yeah, 21 Jump Street. Okay, Nump, like it's on the list now. Huge Johnny Depp's in it, dude. Wait, he has what? a cameo in it. Yeah, dude. Like, oh, is it yeah, just like Cameo bro. City? It's just Cameo City. Like people popping out. And it's just, I, okay, so there are very few like movies that have gone to the theaters where I thought I would cry, you know, mm-hmm. like from laughter. And that was one of them. And I was sober the whole time. This is before I started smoking weed. It was just, I was with uh, my best friend, uh, Joshua Nains. Uh-huh. He was my uh, he was my under undergrad best bro. Shout out to Josh. I don't think he listened to the pod, but shout I'm out to get him. Shout out, friend <laughs> of the pod. But uh, yeah, we would always have. Uh, it was like first Fridays. It was like a deal at the university center. Uh, they would sell like you get like a a movie ticket for a dollar on the first Friday of every month. So Whoa. we would all go to the theater. Yeah, bro, it was a good so everybody would get we would sell out the theater it was just college kids and so we would just be yelling in the screen because like it's no normies there's no townies there they know not to go (laughs) townies theater yeah so yeah that was our thing and so i just remember sitting next to him being unable to breathe because of the laughter of that movie it was okay that is that is high praise high praise man a very different movie that you're going to love now that we've uh-huh. spent a year of history. It's uh-huh. hilarious. It's called The Death of Stalin. The Death of Stalin. Yeah. And so, like, what a title like that. So, you, when you see the cast, you're like, okay, this is going to be something special. Because I, I'd heard about it. It had gotten critical acclaim. It's very highly rated. Uh-huh. And uh, it was just late, late one night. I couldn't fall asleep a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's just screw it. Let's let's just start it and see how this goes. And it's just an incredibly dark historical comedy. Wow. Very, very dry, but incredibly dark <laughs> humor. And so it's kind of like Jeff Jeffrey Tabor's in it and Steve Buscemi and a bunch of other comedians. It, it reminds me of if like the death of Stalin, but it's arrested development or something like that. What? Like it's, it's absurd, which kind of, it makes sense because the task uh, that like the, the talent in the show, but so it's centered around, but I, I guess the general premise is it's centered around such like an awful human and such an awful point in time mm-hmm. in a very both serious and mocking way is talking about what happens right when Stalin dies and so so you're experiencing like it's very glib like the <laughs> you know everyone's running around they're like sh- sh- people are getting like shot and like tortured and they're just you know like well oh, comrade hell comrade and it's like really funny <laughs> uh and you know they're having like really petty politics the inner circle of of who's going to take over after stalin dies and it's just super super petty and hilarious the funeral is getting planned and then they're trying to play like backroom politics the whole time like like you're going to support me on this and then the guy's asking him like oh on the trimming on the casket should he be this and he's just like i don't care about the fucking trimming uh and so you just it's it's i think another one of those great ways uh 
to address history and these other things and that you both see how terrible this person is and how uh, to, to be able to process something through comedy probably. So this was 2017. I haven't seen it, but you can maybe get some of that in a Jojo rabbit to where there's like an imaginary Hitler character. But yet everyone seems to think that movie was hilarious and well done. Mm-hmm. So again, like talking this one's less direct. It's not an imaginary. It's trying to center it, but they're not doing dubs. It's everyone speaking English. There's no there's okay. no subtitles. And they're not even they're not intentionally not trying to uh like have any any Russian accents whatsoever. They're all speak it's all English speakers, but it's staged in Russia in Russia right around the death of Stalin. It's hilarious. I think you'll love it. And I didn't know any context of the actual history. So I didn't even need need to know it. You're just sitting there and it's so funny to process the challenge of processing what is an awful human being in a funny way. So that's, I mean, I think that's such a valuable skill because like there have been, there are plenty of awful human beings in, on the earth. There are fewer <laughs> awful human beings than good people, which is why we're still here. But that being said, it's so funny because I, look, dude, I'm still kind of on my like, uh, my like, death spiral of uh <laughs> watching history and there's like this one um youtuber forgetting his name i want to say his his name is trick like hmm. t-r-i-k or something like that but he exclusively makes videos about the eastern front of world war ii but they're so dry like every explanation is just numbers and numbers and statistics and and military diagrams and just like 80 85th battalion uh uh, uh, siege Stalingrad and uh, the 12th of February, 1941. This, it's just so much information, right? But still, it's just so fascinating because he also talks about the geopolitical uh, implications that led to the invasion of Russia mm-hmm. where Stalin purged most of his military. He killed, Stalin killed so, so many people. people. He was a terrible person. He took, he annexed countries. He annexed uh, parts of Poland. Like he tried to invade Finland, like Latvia and like, and, and, and some of those other uh, Baltic countries, he just annexed them. And there were so many people that suffered because that human existed. But, you know, through his, the fact that he purged all his military, like that's what let them, that's why they had so many incompetent people when Hitler invaded, like all the people who were the brilliant strategists and, and military minds <laughs> were killed. So he wouldn't be overthrown. But even further, it's like the the way we learn about it in America is so gross. We learn about world history in such a gross way. If you just step back and just look at how Russia suffered in World War II, compared to how America suffered in World War II and then how we treated Russia just because they had a differing political system. It's, it's so, it breaks my heart because like they, they took millions of lives on the chin Well, when we took, when we took a quarter million. They were know? like, that's, they were the punching bag. Uh, without them, we don't win. Partially. We don't win. Partially from what they done, what they did, but also uh, just by them sh- throwing sheer numbers. Because I, I don't think it was Stalin or Lenin, but maybe it's just a tri- either attributed to them or someone else said it. But that's the famous quote about you know one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. Is a statistic. 
My favorite thing too that you mentioned specifically the purges, and so this whole mm-hmm. comedy is is the inner circle, all the squabbling, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so they're like commenting about that. You know, they say goodbye mm-hmm. to someone, and then he's just like, "Oh, <laughs> bye bye," and then the other person's just like, "Yep, he's gonna he's getting he's on the list. He's getting killed tomorrow." That's at the beginning. That's not a spoiler, but it's all these like really. Man. There's just all these. They're just really funny about it. And one of the points, though, is that because, of course, Stalin dies, it's in the title, mm-hmm. plot twist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my Wait, God. I thought he was we, still alive, bro. Should we, like, get a, <laughs> should we, like, get a doctor? <laughs> and then they're sitting there, like, ta- they're, like, arguing, but, like, wait, we got rid of all, like, the good doctors. And they're like, well, we just, let's get a fake doctor in here. Like, just, just get someone. <laughs> and so <laughs> they're sitting there. There's, like, a panel of, like, d- the remaining doctors. <laughs> Uh, standing there and uh, like one of the Stalin's family members come up it's just like did any doctor like inspect him and they're pointing it's just like how old are you like this like little kid with like a clipboard and there's all these other doctors standing there just they're like asking the questions they clearly don't know what's going on like they got rid of everyone competent so what you mentioned too about the kind of the grossness to grossness of history and that we kind of just we're wrong on both spectrums and in that we undersold how evil a lot of these things were when it benefited yeah. us, and we oversold how smart and competent a lot of these things were. Because we needed to mm-hmm. both – you both needed to dehumanize an enemy, but also build them up as a credible enemy in order to make mm-hmm. it special. Like the villain, he's evil, he's an idiot, but also he's – they're super geniuses and tough, and we need to strike them down. And so just mm-hmm. like with Stalin purging people, purging intellect – uh, there was we've, we've spoke about this before the Dan Carlin episode, kind of comparing World War One, German Germany versus World War Two, like the differences mm-hmm. in that. And one of the biggest differences is that Germany's World War One army was a much better army, and that chain of command yeah. was based on skill and knowledge. And then the same with Hitler, it was were you nice to him? <laughs> Did he like you? Did you oh, say what he wanted to hear? Does that sound familiar? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, is, is, wait, Dr. Fauci is differing my opinions. We need to make sure we do opposition research on the leading infectious disease expert during a pandemic. Let's do that. The problem with watching the death of Stalin is it was like a, oh, this is a too soon moment for America. (laughs) Because I'm watching there and they're being funny about the idiocy and like the petty things people argue about and how important those roles are when you just the more and more you find out about what's going on inside the current white house the stupider and more unbearable it is you can just tell it's to coy favor with dear 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 cheeto and that's it and when you leave suddenly it's they're awful it's time for a book deal i don't even know him i don't even know i the name doesn't i don't recall that name. i don't know this guy i don't know i don't never never really heard of him but okay, so we are a music podcast. Yeah, hmm. I just realized. Hmm. Have you been making music, Trevor? I'll segue through the. the I'll wrap up my death of Stalin about music. Yeah, the reason why yeah. it's neat is the whole score is just classical music. Two, it opens up with a big scene. the The whole opening is uh, the the ending and record uh, the ending of a classical music concert a concerto. Oh, the pianist is sitting shit. there. 
And it's really neat because the guys are in the booth and they get a call. It's it's Stalin. It's Comrade Stalin. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, my God. You know, they're panicking because it's life or death. Stalin called. And Stalin's like, you know, uh, Stalin would like to hear a recording of tonight's performance. And the the guys in the booth are sitting around like, wait, did you did you press record? Did they're you, like, no, no, play? no. And so the audience has tried to leave. <laughs> And again, this isn't spoilers. It's all at the beginning. Yeah, uh, yeah. The orchestra's leaving. They're clapping. And the guy runs out. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Because he's going to get killed. <laughs> and so they yeah. like, people are trying to leave. So so some people stay. And they're like, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to just, we're just going to repeat this piece. And like the pianist, the performers are like, I, the con- the conductor's like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not doing this. And so they like yeah. bring up an old conductor. They wake him up, drag him out overnight, bring in the conductor. Uh, sleepy, like unrehearsed. The pianist hates Stalin, um, mm-hmm. and, but they they bring in homeless people, people on the street, to sit in the audience, and they uh, re- make them replay the piece so that they could get the God. recording to Stalin. It. And it, it's hilarious, but it was neat seeing something open up with classical music. Uh, speaking of That's music, some Shostakovich shit, bro. Yeah, <laughs> they might have. I I'm trying to think what they're what they were playing. But. I would believe it. I mean, I would believe it if they were playing Shostakovich because he was around Stalin's time and and he was one of those people that even I think he like wrote a piece and like had KGB following him. I need yeah. to, I need to read Some, a biography on Shost- somewhere Shostakovich. like the fourth symphony. Like he wrote it, Something and then like they're that. like, yeah. "We're gonna kill you." And so the fifth the fifth symphony is so famous in that. Yeah. Uh, it ends with like, and it's this big. Yeah. Dark, you know, D minor, whatever, C minor, all that. It's dope. Yeah, yeah. And bars. I, it's it's a great piece. It's 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 one of the, you know the most famous things in the rap. But it mm. it's this big dark thing, and it ends with just minutes of major. And but it's very incessant, and it's kind of like <laughs> the darkest major you can have, and you can tell <laughs> it's a giant middle finger to Stalin because it's very March like. And it's it just repeats the same phrase, and it's really like pointed and nasty. You can it's almost like you're getting hit with the stick over the head, and you just know that was he was subtweeting. Oh, straight up subtweeting. You you hear it you hear it more in his string quartets because that was less popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's like his orchestral works where he had to do the grimace. He had to smile. <laughs> Stalin, look how patriotic we are. Yay, Russia. You know, or <laughs> it's it's kind of, it's wild. I do want to read a uh, a biography on, on uh, both. Dude, I think Russian history is so interesting to me. And I never even understood why people, when I was younger, they would say, yeah, I, I did a did a minor in Russian history. Cause it's, it's crazy. And I was like, that's weird. I don't understand why you're so fascinated. But the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, this country is crazy. This is the most bonkers history that modern history that I can even imagine. These people (laughs) went through the craziest stuff and they are still tough as nails. They like to go swimming in frozen ponds. Who are these people? (laughs) (laughs) There's some wild some tough toughness people. yeah. from, from, I mean, even just our like Russian friends or, um, Eastern European friends, Shout out. Yeah. like I, those, the stories, the stories, stories. Tough. tough, tough, tough. Like that's, that's, tough. that's all you, that's all you hear. That's why I never want to be in a competition against them. They're just going to want it more. 
did. I mean, well, there's that whole school of Russian. The famous one is the school of like Russian pian pianism, where they're going mm -hmm. out and it's just like taught in a very uh, specific way. And then all all pianists do is sit around and argue if like that's the best way or not. But I I don't, <laughs> I don't care if you're good, you're good. You know, do your thing. I. I wish I could do a Russian accent because I just wanted to say, this is how you get out of country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is how you escape. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so music. you're reading some books, right? Okay, now we're getting to the thing we were going to talk about. I so want to look, okay, we've been dicking around for like 40 minutes. <laughs> So he's holding up the book. Let's the both let's both talk about our books. So I'm reading. I'm currently uh, a little ways into a book called The Tools. It's been yeah. recommended by multiple people as kind it. of like a nice little bridge into other books down the road. Another one we've mentioned is Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. I haven't read that. I'm going to read The Tools first. And what, who wrote it? Who wrote The Tools? So this is Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels. Okay. And the premise, the synopsis, is that it was two psychologists, and they weren't satisfied with how the psychology field works, to where people were coming in, telling their, you know, their problems, their life stories, and the traditional psychology was, you know, dig deeper, find out what caused this, you know, is it attachment with, you know, a parent or is it you know what 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 is causing your trauma dig deeper and by confronting this you'll get better and oh, where you they turn your mother okay yeah. okay <laughs> it says yeah you should have stopped that yeah <laughs> that's illegal you should just in not do that yeah that's illegal okay. in not enough states uh, <laughs> <laughs> here have uh, this this xanax that should help you <laughs> So, so these these two psychologists went through, and one just over the course of the time, he kind of just had a, a moment he, of where patients were coming, or people were coming to him, uh, even successful people, doctors, and the, he just wasn't. They weren't getting results. They some per, there's a story about a doctor who had his his final as like a surgeon, his like final surgeon test to get like board certification to be done. And this person had crippling anxiety and he was mm. going to fail the test. He just wasn't studying you. He just couldn't take this test. And so the traditional method was, oh, some of that relates to your your father. Your father wanted you to be successful, but as you become more successful, he's also jealous. And so you mm. wanted to pursue this, but you're also going to fail and you psychoanalyze, psychoanalyze. Blah, 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 blah. And so the guy's doing all these things and he's talking to his psychologist colleagues and they're like, you know, you're just young. It's the book, you know, dig deeper, dig deeper. It's it's this, it's this, it's this. And so they work through it. And then months later, the guy comes back, he had failed the test. It hadn't worked. <laughs> and, and, and he felt like a failure. He's like, people are coming into me and all we're doing is looking at the past. And that's not worth two shits. I'm not giving them anything else to go out and improve their present mm -hmm. and to develop their future. And yeah. so they came up with these tools and they're a little, a little loosey goosey, not too spiritual, but they kind of narrowed down uh, and they call like higher powers, but basically like the idea of forward motion or love or something. And then what like problems that, that causes. And then two is a tool, essentially a tool to 
overcome the problem. So they explain like what we need and then they provide a tool to kind of tap into that. And so their example of what they want you to tap into is not really, it's not necessarily flow. This isn't, this is meant for anyone, not just musicians or creatives, but they're talking about like, think of moments where you've overcome something. You know, someone was sick. You, you suddenly had that burst of adrenaline. You lifted the car off the person. You, you overcame uh, an incredibly stressful moment and, you know, there was something driving you, a force that was pushing you through this moment to do what you would probably have considered impossible, impossible or even painful. And, you know, those are, those are some of your great moments where you've risen above your usual self. And so what they wanted to do was figure out what, what gets to that point and what helps you drive yourself to that moment. And then tools and easy ways to train yourself to access those skills and that your kind of higher power, your higher self easier. Mm. The, mm -hmm. So instead of, for the psychology side of things, instead of always looking back and trying to understand and just come to terms with your past, it was a what can you do for me system. And so this guy worked on them over time and he came up with them. So an example is the first one and the tool is called the reversal of desire. And mm, we mentioned it Buddhist. on we mentioned it on our last podcast. But basically, we stay in the comfort zone and we don't move forward with our lives because of pain. So we avoid it. We circle in there. There's the pain. We're worried about it. And so the reversal of desire is training yourself to like the pain. And if anyone mm. has listened to anything David Goggins has ever said, this is it. <laughs> you know, like, if, if anyone has ever seen him running sideways on a street for a hundred miles talking about dogs and doing a thousand pull-ups. Th this is really at the core of it. His, his stay hard, motherfucker. Stay hard. It, it's like, it, it basically wants you to train yourself to desire that discomfort, to desire that pain. And it's very simple. So, so I, I started this book before. I'd only made it this far and didn't put it into play years back. And why I've come back to it and I've actually instilled it is I missed one key thing. So the obvious point is the book tells you is it's trying to tell you when to use the tools. And so with yeah. the reversal of desire, it's right before you're about to do something you don't want to do. You've been putting off this call. It's pain. It's doing taxes. It's whatever yeah. it is. It's practicing. And, you know, in simple Looking steps. Looking at your finances. Yeah, it's doing. Opening your bank accounts. Existing. You know? And it wants you to go in <laughs> and, you know, one, you know, kind of like just say mentally, you know, like bring on the pain. I enjoy the pain and something else. Like these types of quick phrases. It wants it to be rapid and instant and you want to treat it like a tool. Tools are meant mm -hmm. to help us. Uh, it's a system. It's foolproof. So you just, if you just do it, this will work for you. And so it's very, it's very simple. It's very similar to the power stance and all sorts of other methods, but confronting it. And it said, even by just saying those things out loud, you will already feel better and are more likely to do the thing. Now, here's what I didn't do when I first read this book, and I hadn't thought about this. I just missed this moment in the book. It said, even when you're not about to do the thing that you've been avoiding, the pain, go ahead and run through the system mentally. Because what you're doing is you're building up, let's say like, I'm gonna call it reversal of desire bank. You're building up the anti-pain bank. <laughs> and so that by doing it, even bef even when that particular task isn't at hand, 
you're slowly training your mind and putting, you know, depositing this in the bank. A lot of finance metaphors because of taxes. You're putting this in the bank <laughs> so that when the time comes for you to do this uncomfortable task, you'll do it. Mm. So even before going in there, putting in and investing in yourself so that you're just mentally prepared to face things. And that's what's kind of stuck with me more. When I find myself just not wanting to, put, I'm putting off something, I don't want to do it, or it's uncomfortable, I'm I'm running through these types of tools. I'm, I'm hyping myself up. I'm charging towards this discomfort. And it's already helped. Mm. So what's nice about it is this book, it just, it identifies a problem and and a lot of these are very relatable and very general. And then it, it just gives you a tool to face it, to try. And if you implement it, more likely than not, you're able to move forward. I How's think your book? Charisma on Command. That's beautiful, bro. I think Charisma on Command did a video where they were like, if you have social anxiety or if you're about to enter in an uncomfortable situation, like an audition or like a performance getting yourself super hyped backstage. <gasps> yeah, I'm the man. Yeah, let's go. I like the pain. Like just having that sort of like- It's that. I mean, I, for all the lady listeners, maybe you could do it in a different way. You don't have to be so masculine uh, and aggressive. Uh, tribal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think of it tribally. You know, I, Daniel Frankheisen is a cellist that I did a summer festival with back in 2014, right before I went to Juilliard. Mm -hmm. It was called Dakota. Uh, it was like a Dakota Skidmore. Is at Skidmore College? Okay. And he talked. He was the first person who ever really kind of talked to me about the art of making coffee, because he was making coffee right in front of me. Mm. And so years later, I now have a Chemex, and I, I resonate with that kind of feeling because he took. I don't know if it's true, but he told me like he heard stories of how warriors would wake up at sunrise and brew their coffee, take in the aroma, and it was like a ritual, right? And they would use the caffeine as a way to get hype and to get psyched for the day. So that's literally what I do. Like when I have to open my emails, which is hard because it's just people yelling at me, telling <laughs> me to promote their stuff over and over and over and over again, like that's exhausting and that's not fun. But if I pretend like I'm getting ready for battle with my coffee, it's a whole different frame. It's a whole different way to frame it. And uh, Matt Diavella, who's a productivity YouTuber and minimalist, uh, introduced me to the idea of cold showers, which I think Jim oh, Quick is going to be talking about. the recent hip thing. Yeah. It, it comes back in waves. I've heard about cold showers for many, many years, um, mostly because I was a horny teenager. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Talk it works power for both. Spans. Hyping yourself up. Wait, Drew, Drew, what are you doing with that coffee? <laughs> yeah, what, what did you... Did somebody slip some, some well, stuff in my coffee? Hold up. <laughs> no, but cold showers has actually been a, a wonderful... I don't do it every day, but mm -hmm. I've been doing it three days out of the week or three showers of the week. Um, and wow. like, they're really fun, especially after a workout. Like it's continuing that discomfort. And I'm like, there is no progress without discomfort. And so that's why I'm like really resonating with what you just by, said. So. By the sounds of it, I mean, like some other things we do, 
it's less that there's like a science behind like that the, the physical act of the cold shower and shocking the body. It seems that it they they've studied it. It's it's a little iffy. Who really knows? But the mental side of it, the toughness is it's really one to have a system or a ritual which we know is beneficial. So it might not necessarily be the cold shower, but it's just a great example of if you can do this, it's toughness. It will make you tough. Like the the fame. There's two famous examples. One that directly relates to what you even said. Uh, also, shout out to our most recent guest, Dear Evergreen, because this is what Heck she does. Yes, she would go in the Heck bathroom yes. and she hypes herself up before a show. That's what we. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I was like, we talked about this too. Yeah, yeah not so not even oh like hey like these these like famous books or whatever of not not it's our guest it's the faking notes podcast so they're coming in and and getting and getting hyped up but she mentioned that specifically one of the most famous ted talks i don't know if it's still uh in the top 10 was i can't recall her name i and she becomes a professor at uh, harvard or one of these famous things and it's talking about imposter syndrome and then but specifically how she overcame is the, the idea of the power stance is before any interview, before anything important, to just go in there, stand firm, you know, spreading the legs slightly, arms on the hips, you know, like your Peter Pan, and then just power stance. You're sitting there, and just like the simple act of readjusting yourself mentally. Think about smiling. Think about lowering your voice when you're speaking. There are different things you can do to assert different types of authority. Speaking slower, what you just did was you slowed down your speech so that people held on to every single word you just said. See how different that is? Yeah, now now we are actually an enjoyable podcast. Great work for <laughs> <laughs> Now is are we men now? Yeah. <laughs> In a world, one podcast. Lots of spaces between phrases. <laughs> Knowledge. Fistulas. What? Here in my garage. <laughs> I'm here in my garage. Lamborghini, Lamborghini. <laughs> but it's a very Dude, good point. And that was a great throwing... example yeah. Like, like, yeah. that you pointed out. So what book are you currently reading? I'm reading Limitless by Jim Quick. And I've been, I've been gnawing at it for the for the better part of about two and a half weeks um i'm spending i'm just i'm reading a lot of different things i'm actually talking to winton about finances i'm about to start investing a little bit of money just to start flexing those muscles again i lost a lot of money in cryptocurrency a couple of years ago and i'm just oh. I'm still jaded bro <laughs> i bought i bought so much i looked at my i opened up my portfolio this morning dogecoin dogecoin <laughs> No, no Dogecoin. I bought a bunch of Icon. I bought about 945 Icon or so at like $4. Uh, and it's money I could lose. So it was yeah. like, whatever. But you're and just going to sit on so, it, right? Just sit I'm going to sit. I'm All my investments until it, I just sit on. Yeah, until, until it, it becomes dies. profitable. You sit. Until, until it dies. Or if they just like cease, I'll just, okay, I'll get like some money back that I had thought I lost anyway. But it was mm-hmm. $4 two years ago. Now it's worth 40 cents. <laughs> money. 
Ballin'. Uh, <laughs> I'm ballin'. Ladies. Ballin'. Ladies. Come on. Come through. Come to my man. Devaluation in the house. <laughs> you know. But it's it's important to, to learn all these lessons. Um, but one of the things that uh I've been learning from uh Jim Quick's book, which actually I just read it this morning after my run. He said that so, or he was referencing a podcast guest of his and his podcast guest said something along the lines of when you, it's important to like find your purpose, right? Find your, and mm-hmm. I've texted you about this. I, I don't really, this whole pandemic has taken away a lot of my purpose. Like I found a lot of joy in sharing music with people and performing live, right? That's really, like Instagram was just, for me, social media was just like, the fast food version of what I really want, which is performing live and interacting with people in real life, right? Uh, So when I was in school and not getting performance opportunities, that was the way to get my fix. But as I progressed my career, I was able to do what I really wanted to do more. I didn't feel the need to get the junk food uh, Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, And so I kind of have lost a little bit of my purpose when it comes to social media and when it comes to just like my career. And he, and his podcast guest had said like when circumstances in life change your ability to fulfill your purpose in the way you know how uh it's easy to fall into depression and fall into uh just levels of un- low motivation and productivity uh so what is important is to figure out how to redirect and find a new way to exercise your passions to fulfill your life's purpose. And so uh, it's just so crazy uh, going through that literal. And I, I, if you're a musician out there, I know you're feeling that. I know, especially a live performing musician that needs to be around people, you're feeling that loss of purpose. But it, it, people tend to fall into despair and then go into dopa- high dopamine activities uh, to compensate and, but those don't bring real fulfillment in your life. So I'm trying to find, you know, through the growing these microgreens, through exercise, through my finances, getting my finances in order, uh, creating more stable, balanced uh, work-life relationships uh, with my mm-hmm. activities and organizing my life. I'm really finding, I'm getting closer to my purpose again, and it feels great. But it's it's taken this long to even get here, man. So I love reading books that we helpful. have this. <laughs> I love that. I love that we have this and that yeah. we're both at least on a quasi similar trajectory like this. For me, the pod was the therapy to stall, stall the decline and fuel the takeoff. Uh, yeah. And all it took was, you know, 90 hours of, of penis jokes to get here. Uh, okay, so, so <laughs> a couple weeks ago it was seventy five. So we've actually had fifteen hours more of penis jokes. That's what you're so saying. many, yeah. So so, so if many. you're looking for all uh, music related uh, toilet humor, uh, <laughs> please check out the previous fifty odd episodes. So. <laughs> Dude, they're not that bad. Like I've gone back. A lot of it is Dan Carlin worshiping. <laughs> it's a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, to save time. Well, the good thing is Dan Carlin's episodes are so long, so they won't feel like they're getting ripped off by listening to us. We're we're giving them the spark notes. Oh, f- not even we're giving we're giving them the the YouTube thumbnails. We're giving you them know. the faking notes. That's what we're doing. 
I'm pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) It's the clickbait thumbnail, bro. But, uh... Yeah, going through this journey together and that we're both now reading books. I ran yesterday, you know, running, running, Jenny. And so I ran and because I knew I was sitting there, I had so much to accomplish yesterday, taxes and job and uh, all these other sorts of things that I went out and I was just, it's it's 90 some degrees and muggy Uh and I was like, Uh bring on the pain. And so I went out and I did it and I hated running, but I, I called my sister while I was running. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyways, we got That's to good. communicate but, because I was like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this because I'll feel better. And I did. You know what? So I, I watched a YouTube video. Um, this is literally the most faking notes introduction to any story ever. <laughs> I, I read this article. Yeah, I watched, I watched this YouTube a YouTube video. video. I heard on a podcast. So, <laughs> One way to make things that are hard easier is like this idea of the dopamine detox. But what I loved about this particular video, it didn't really go into the dopamine detox. It just said procrastinate by being productive. So I love how you were like (laughs) facing your taxes and that was so painful that you were like, you know what? I'm going to run in some 90 degree heat. That's much less pain. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to sear my eyeballs closed because that's <laughs> that's less expensive than what I'm about to do in the tax world. <laughs> but but then but then you, you once you run all that anxiety out. And that's the thing guys. Like that's why I'm such a becoming such an advocate for because in classical music culture it's not really this idea of toughness and this idea of doing things that are uncomfortable outside of practicing your instrument, it's it's not really celebrated. Like going out and being physical and taking your anxiety and running it ragged so then you have nothing else to do but the thing that scares you the most is so valuable. So valuable. Almost every, <clears throat> I, I'd go ahead and say every single composer, famous performer, artist, if you actually read the bio, you know, actually do your homework. So get out of the north, you know, don't be like us. Don't fake notes. Actually do what your teacher says. You'll notice something that kind of gets glossed over, but might be the most important part. What is that and show? I think that recent, I don't know if it's in the 10,000 hours or one of the response books about it, but, uh, you know, of the, of the small amount of things that all successful people share. One we've talked about. They've overcome pain. <laughs> they've, mm-hmm. they found a way to hit that higher gear and face and do the things that are uncomfortable, whether it was a life situation that forced them into it, like mm-hmm. what we talked about with Dear Evergreen, or they've trained themselves to come over these little moments of pain, to kind of like see see and find purpose to to push past these little speed bumps and these tiny self-imposed barriers. Number two, that really gets really seems to get uh, glossed over is downtime and interest in other things. Every single composer, every single artist had this. They had Mm -hmm. some, some type of downtime. They were walking in nature for hours and as a relaxation choice, many, you know, back then you kind of had to do that just to survive. This isn't even (laughs) that, (laughs) like this isn't even that, like actively walking for hours 
some form of exercise, some form of break. Even uh, famous examples of people procrastinating. Uh, Strauss. Yeah, Mozart, he, he just liked poop. He's a weird dude. But Strauss, Talk about you know, he'd go right in this little hut and he didn't want to do his work. And his wife was like, you have to work until noon. She would just like make him, <laughs> you know, go on the shed. She'd be like, oh, no, Johan, get in the recot, get in the, you know, the shed. And so she, she, she deserves so many, yoo-hoo. I, I'm like the, the jolly guy from the Frozen movies. Uh, but Hola. you know she do- she doesn't get enough credit. She forced him to go in there and just do his work. He was trying to procrastinate. Shout out. An extra, an extra shout out, shout out to Strauss's wife. But so many of these examples, the it's either the value and importance of rest, and who gets that? Athletes. Mm. Who doesn't get that? Musicians. We're yeah. never encouraged to rest. Uh, we've, we've gotten better at say practicing, you know, like, Hey, you don't really need to practice seven, eight hours. Like there's obviously diminishing returns. It's dangerous, healthy. We're talking more about it, but I, I think instead of framing of like, Hey, let's get more efficient at practice. Um, we should be both doing that and finding out how, how to better plan like the downtime or how to better enjoy or how to consider that as part of the equation, that video game, that book, the walk exercise, whatever it may be. And then to account for that, but then to value it just as much as practicing. Podcasting. Yeah. Podcasting. Bro, it, it, there's, there's this thing that I, I had this thought. Oh, is Shiloh? Shiloh's. Uh Oh, is Uh-oh. he interrupting the pod? Shiloh alert. Shiloh alert. Oh. He's down here. <gasps> we just closed the door. Oh. I want to see him. He's running around. He's, he's living oh. his best life. Oh, he's living his best life. Yo, you said something earlier when we were talking about the death of Stalin <clears throat> that kind of had me thinking. You were talking about Russian people, how they're hard. I don't, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a good, st- good or bad stereotype, <laughs> but I think that we Americans are really soft. There he is. Oh my God, buddy. Ooh, look, it's Shiloh. Uncle Drew. Shiloh. Uncle Drew. <gasps> That's my hey, friend. Hey, when you close the door. That's my friend. Buddy. Who's a good boy? He's okay. looking good. Okay, back dude. to purpose. Oh man, back to purpose. So I think I've said it before on the pod, you know, the Bruce Lee quote of like, wish not for... I'm paraphrasing, wish not for an easy life, but the strength to overcome a difficult one. And Mm -hmm. so like what you're talking about with the tools, like getting used to like being uncomfortable, like getting out of your comfort zone and kind of reframing it to crave that pain. I think when we live in a society where everything is so easy you could literally open an app on your phone <laughs> and have food delivered to your door if you work hard and i mean if you have a fortunate enough to have a job that pays you enough money to delegate your cooking right so like what's so crazy to me is how we as a society don't really have that many difficulties and so i wonder like if we need to sometimes manufacture our own difficulties 
uh, I think Shiloh, Shiloh made a little cry and uh, Trevor had to go. Trevor had to go do it. You got him? You got him? Yeah. So, so it I'll, looks like my up? new life's purpose and uh, my new focus is to keep this little boy from barking at all the neighbors. Oh, is he is he a bark he's turned into a barker? Yeah, well he's like learned it from the other dogs, but then there's there's like tons of kids who oh. instigate him on the other side of the fence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. Shiloh, you need to escape. I need you to escape the dog mentality. Yeah, you need to you need to ascend your DNA and become that which you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so so what I was saying. Yeah was we have a lifestyle in America that is like you could order food that it's very easy. Like we have to, I think a big reason we have this cancel culture is because we don't have anything better to like deal with. Our problems are so small. So part of like, I think growing as a person is to kind of find ways to artificially make your life more uncomfortable, i.e. the taking the shower, i.e. the dopamine detox, i.e., whatever hard like having a cheat day and making sure you eat healthy like maybe you don't get to eat cheeseburgers every single day i think what (laughs) that that discomfort is how we grow and we think of it as bad but we need to reframe it and i'm just trying to drive this home to people because you know i'm teaching kids and and i'm talking to kids and a lot of them express this fear of failure and discomfort and that bothers me because yes, I know it's scary to fail, but that's the only way you're ever going to amount to anything is if you are, it, you're never going to learn if you never make mistakes. You're never going to learn if you, you're never going to grow muscle if you don't break down the muscular fibers through strenuous effort. You know, you're not going to get rid of inflammation if you don't sweat your balls off in a sauna like it, or, or your tits off in a sauna. You know what I mean? Like it's important to have these artificial discomforts to make sure that we remain strong because we, if we don't, we turn into Wally. We turn into gelatinous things <laughs> that <laughs> we, or we have a coronavirus that comes and disproportionately uh, attacks and, and, and hurts people who don't have healthy habits in their life. You know what I mean? You, overcoming these things. And so part of what can what can help you do that is that sense of higher purpose. And so um, w- I think we can dedicate even a specific episode focusing on this, maybe a bonus episode to. or yeah, something we where, we, where we highlight instead of a f- 40 minutes of um, – humor before we get to the the serious the serious stuff, stuff. But, i don't know man i like the, i the, like it. it's I, like I peanut it. butter and and celery you guys because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're healthy here so um yeah we're gonna cut this short because i my purpose is now to keep this dog Dead, alive yeah, yeah, and yeah. so f- oh man i miss you man I miss thanks you again too, everyone buddy. for listening thanks for listening uh we want to do some listener mail so DM us. I know like to the five, to the two of you listening right now, shoot us a question. What did you like <laughs> from the episode? We want to, um, we want to start or continue to do more listener mail. I'm going to make sure that I ask on my Instagram stories before our things, some questions. I think that should be a new thing we do. I just like, Hey, man, let's do it it's for the pod. Let's do it. And we'll aggregate some questions and we'll make it a segment. 
Excellent. Well, Dope. I miss you all. Miss Let's, you. We're going to connect with y'all. Send us your questions. This is another episode of Faking Notes Podcast. The Faking Notes Podcast. Peace out. Faking Peace out. Peace. Peace out. Bye.